From the backstretch at Saratoga, this is Loose on the Lead with Steve Bick and Seth Merrill. Loose on the Lead is sponsored by... Good morning and welcome to Loose on the Lead. Seth Merrill and Steve Bick live again from Clare Court on a beautiful Sunday morning. And I said Seth Merrill and Steve Bick, and I mean it. Last week he was uh, on the road, a uh, little sojourn to uh, Monmouth, uh, Colonial Downs, and beyond. Welcome back. I- I'm glad to be back. And, We're glad and, to have you back. Well, I'm back for the duration, too. Right, oh, okay. Right straight through the Labor Day. No, yeah, no more, no more wanderings right. until the day after Labor Day, until we... Hightail it to Kentucky for the first two weeks of, of September, <laughs> but other than that, uh, had had the craziest. Cra- it's kind of a wild nine days or whatever it was. Phyllis, uh, you were down uh, at the uh, Jersey Shore for you know lead up to the Haskell Haskell Day, um, and I know you're friendly with Al Gold. I think I passed Al Gold yesterday or the day before, and it didn't dawn on me till uh, I walked by. I had to say congratulations. Did you? Did you turn back and? No, and, because by then it was like I was. I was. Uh, Al is still walking around. He's got to be. In 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 a daze, and uh, I believe that in the wake of the Haskell, uh, that they've made a a stallion uh, deal uh, for for Cyberknife. Well, two great um, ones. Well, and it, the excitement that and the. The fervor that was involved with Mike Rapoli going back to the Belmont win and you know being local and all that, Al Gold literally grew up three minutes from Monmouth Park, and uh, you know his father in the real estate business, him in the real estate business, and so Monmouth County is, and and you know the the whole you know the whole shore scene is Al's milieu and 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 his life uh wrapped up so when the conversation came to you know goals for Cyberknife, i mean the race that i mean if they got to the derby that was great but the race that that brad cox heard you know that he wanted to focus on and would and win potentially would be the haskell so i think part of it was al's just we should have actually reached out to have al today uh, I had him on the show on Monday, and it was just such a great conversation. Uh, you know, he, he had missed the Arkansas Derby because of an uh, airplane mishap. Uh, Al is not a great flyer. Let's, let, it, there's white knuckle, and then there's digging fingertips into the armrests. That, that's Al. So they, they had a problem. They, they, they actually booked a private plane. And there was a problem with the plane, and, and so the guy went. They got up, they turned around, and Al said, "No, we're not. We're, that was it." So he didn't get to go to the Arkansas Derby. So now here comes here comes the Haskell. He's got his his kids are right there. They live in in uh, Long uh, Red Bank, and he's sick. He, he, as he explained, he came down with COVID, and Al has been it's so careful for for the the two years. 
unbelievable. So here he is within the shadow of, of Haskell, and and he's sick and and sick sick. I mean, not you know, not just you know the the headache and the tired and you know the the general principles. But he by Wednesday he was feeling better, so he came down. And I was broadcasting Thursday and Friday. I mean, I did not think he could win. I really didn't. I, I mean, I, to me, it, to I mean, me, great, great trip coming up the trail. Well, Jeru's ride was spectacular, but much like what we saw yesterday, and which we'll talk about obviously in a minute. And Scott Blasey had a great quote uh, to me after the race, and I'll get to that. But much like Epicenter, this this version, this post Derby version of of Cyberknife who was a difficult horse from the get-go, is, is a different horse. And as Blasey said afterward, as they sent him down, you know, heading to the, back to the barn, Scott came walking back and he said to me, working with a different horse, working with a different horse now. And that, you know, that's part of the, that's part of the equation. I mean, obviously Chad had done the same kinds of things trying to move forward with Zandon, and, and he ran very well. Um, I, I'm sure they were a little disappointed with early voting, but this yeah. is what's so much fun about a Derby trail and Triple Crown season that then is given way to a, a wide-open three-year-old scene. I, I mean, the Travers, and then subsequently the Pennsylvania Derby, and then ultimately when they all meet up with the older horses, it just it's been it's just gone from strength to strength all season long in most divisions. Yeah. Jackie's Warriors dominating the sprint division, but every place else, the Phillies and Mares, the Phillies, you name it, the three-year-old Phillies, every division, the turf obviously is has got, you know, its usual assortment and the miles. I, I just, I, I thought that last weekend and then yesterday really lent itself beautifully to what lies ahead, to the Travers. And uh, obviously we're going to be excited. But for Al Gold, it, it was magical. And, and being, I've known Al 20 years. And as I wrote, I think, on Twitter, and I explained to him, and I've said it many times, Al was, Al was robbed early on in his experience in the game. He was robbed. And a lot of owners that come into the game that, end up dealing with unscrupulous people, bloodstock agents and, and so forth, they turn tail and are embarrassed and, they, and they, they leave. And that's to the detriment of, of the sport. Yeah. Al dug his heels in. And a lot of times I've said, if anybody out there deserves a big horse, it was Al Gold, and he's had nice horses, and he's won some stakes, and uh, you know, came close to making a uh, a sire uh, with. Uh, in fact, that horse beat. Oh my gosh, beat uh, Lloyd Dobler at Aqueduct. It went on. Oh my gosh, how can I forget his name? But uh, I can almost see the win picture. But Al. You know, Al has spent the money. He's what's funny about Cyberknife is Al's. Pretty much a New York guy as far as racing, but I don't think Cyberknife has been in New York at all yet. For you mean to run? Yeah. No. Yeah. No. So it's been funny. It's been a no. funny. Well, uh, he, it, I mean, we've got, you know, we've got a, a Travers that has every 
potentiality to decide the three-year-old championship. Yeah. Um, and, and then, of course, it, it could go into overtime. And, and, and uh, if these horses mix it up again uh, at parks, uh, it'd be unbelievable. So anyway, the, the, trip to, the trip down to Jersey was amazing. Uh, Chad was on his way, it seemed, to a sweep of the graded stakes. Uh, I thought search results, his performance last yeah. week, kind of went under the radar. Um, La Mista, I don't know how you got 9-2 to two on La Mista down there. They put on a great show. It was warm, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't miserable. Uh, it didn't threaten, uh, you know, horses or, or postpone or cancellation, etc. So always great to go down to Monmouth. Uh, then from there, we turned, and we were supposed to go to Colonial for Monday and Tuesday. And then Colonial canceled yeah, for Monday eat. on Friday. So now, uh, you know, we're, all right, I guess we can still go and, you know, be the kind of alone at the racetrack, but we got an invitation to go out to Charlottesville. And we ended up at Keswick Hall, which I invite people to look up. It is a unbelievably sumptuous golf course, a Pete Dye golf course and resort. Uh, the owner's a, uh, not the owner, but the manager is a very big uh, horse player and fan. He's invited me down uh, before. And Debbie Easter from the Virginia Equine Alliance, who has been one of our sponsors over the years, Debbie said, why don't you come to Keswick? So I did, and we broadcast from Keswick on Monday. It was fabulous. And then uh, to Colonial for Tuesday, Tina and I went to, I took her to Monticello. She had never seen Monticello, which was always, and I hadn't been there in probably 50 years. And uh, then we went to Chincoteague to see the pony swim. You filled in with help from Chuck. Uh, Seth filled in at the races and did the show from the front side. Thanks for that. Appreciate the got opportunity. Got rave reviews. Yeah, got some nice feedback, uh, so it was fun, yeah. Chincoteague was amazing. The uh, the ponies, the wild pony swim, where they take the ponies from Assateague Island, they bring them to Chincoteague Island, uh, they uh, put them in a pen at a fairgrounds, and they sell the babies on Thursday, and then yesterday they swim them back. It, 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 it's a crazy spectacle. So that was great. And then Delaware Park, broadcast oh. for the first time from Delaware Park on Thursday, which ended I like up Delaware. being That's a nice little oh, track. it's a wonderful, yeah. wonderful track. And uh, John Mooney, the longtime executive, third generation. His father, his grandfather, won the Derby on Black Gold. His grandfather worked for E.P. Taylor for 50 years, was responsible for opening Woodbine, and John Mooney uh, started Colonial uh, when when Colonial was getting going. Long time of uh, uh, two stints at Delaware, and, and one of the great executives in the sport uh, for his entire life. And uh, yesterday was his last day. Oh, wow. so it was. It was, and then we came back here and did the show from here Friday. Perfect. So pretty unique. Four different. First time that's ever four venues to broadcast the show. And uh, David Steinberg on Wednesday is uh, outstanding. I went with the Joey Bishop Joey reference. Bishop works, I thought Joe. the Joey Bishop yeah, was yeah. good. Yeah, I'm sorry about the tie. I, I busted. Oh yeah, you're doing. Uh, you're doing summer. Last last year you made fun of me for summer ca summer casual. Uh, you're. Well, Dave O'Rourke is joining us, and so it's actually a pay-on to Dave O'Rourke, who, who is the, the tieless exec. Uh, and, uh, no, I, bo I broke a button. I could borrow that tie, which, which, I, which used to be mine. <laughs> I said, Mormino was asking on the early show, and I said, yeah, pink, I would never buy a pink tie. Oh, but, but this morning, I put it up, and I said, looks pretty good. <laughs> it's a good-looking tie, let's say that. Uh, let's get into some races because you've alluded to it already. Let's go back and look at the Vanderbilt yesterday uh, with Jackie's Warrior. Uh, and, and 
as they get to the top of the stretch, Jackie's where he's going to be the number four horse. At the top of the stretch, there's probably about two strides where I was saying to myself, is this going to be a race? And then I was like, no, this is not going to be a race. Well, so, see, hey. Runs up, and the chart margin winds up too, but there's no real challenge. However, I will uh, tip our cap to our friend Marshall Graham. He was on with me yesterday, and they're number one knee-deep in snow. Um, from Marshall and Company, uh, ten strike racing, a good second and a second and a grade one. That was they were very happy uh, with the second place finish to Jackie's Warrior. But boy, uh, Jackie's Warrior again, just phenomenal. Steve uh, Asmussen in the winner's circle said on to the Forego and then the Breeders' Cup for the last couple of starts of the career. But it was one of those races. I was talking to people in the paddock and just uh, in the clubhouse and walking around in, during the day, but before the race. This is one where eh, I don't know whether you're going to jump in and do a lot of betting at the two dollar and fifty cent. Mutual, but as a fan, it was just fun to see. It, it was it was spectacular, and I, I wrote on Twitter that if you're involved in the game and engaged by racing in any way, as a horse player, as a fan, as an owner, as a breeder, I mean everybody that that does anything around the sport, that that kind of a you know hair standing up on the back of the neck performance is why you're in the game and why you participate. I, I, and, and obviously, that was just the stretch run, but if you watch the whole race, and then uh, are we watching the whole Jim Dandy? I don't think we have the whole Jim Dandy. Well, the whole Jim Dandy would be important. because the, the, I, I would recommend, Dino, if you can, yeah, the, guys may be if you can pull it up, that, that'll be better, because he is back early to watch... A grade one and a grade two, especially the grade two at this level, a three-year-old exclusive race that has ramifications on the, the you know, end-of-the-year championships. To see a jockey, the same jockey, win both races without raising a stick, <laughs> uh, it, 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 with complete hand rides, this performance by Jackie's Warrior, it, it, I, I don't know... I don't know when we've seen, you know, anything exactly like this. You know, Asmussen with Matoli, who you know was a a, a, a bounding winner several you know several times. Um, I you know what I would say frosted in his Met Mile. I mean, granted, knee deep in snow made up some ground late, but. It, it, yeah, Joel worried. Rosario had lifted his foot off the yeah. gas at the eighth pole, essentially. Yeah, I mean, he, he coasted home. I, I, it was spectacular. This is this, and Steve Asmussen. You can tell. I mean, who's won more races than anybody? You could tell. I mean, Asmussen is just astounded by yeah. this horse, and with good reason. I mean, this was a real treat. I, you know, the whole thing with the the first horse to win three. Well, well, well. That 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 is like. That's like the silliest thing. It's a fun stat, though. It's the it's, it's great three great ones you know in consecutive it'll, years. It'll, it'll be a fun stat in forty years when there's a breadth of. There's only been the opportunity to do that, this. That's, I said yesterday when we were talking. I said that's hard to believe with the the length of time. Of but then you think about it. How many grade ones were there when you go? Exactly, especially sprints, because yeah. because sprints sprints were slow to get acknowledged as grade ones anyway. So I will toss out there one notable fact. I talked about it yesterday. Uh, it's the Vanderbilt handicap. He carried 127, yeah, nice which way. in my day was maybe not. But these days, 127, he gave 10 pounds to the no, runner-up. No, so that, it, it, that's notable. It absolutely is. And uh, we'll also one more Vanderbilt sidebar. 
if you if you're a Twitter follower, yesterday I wanted to make sure, and every Vanderbilt, I make sure that everyone remembers a phenomenon, uh, the uh -huh. Angel Penna sprinter that actually won the Jim Dandy 39 years ago today. Back here, right? Uh, and uh, Penna, you mean? No, a phenomenon. Buried. Oh, yeah. yeah. Buried. He's buried here. Um, it broke down the next year uh, in the forego. And the following year, Naira instituted this race, the A phenomenon. And not that, not that Alf Vanderbilt isn't worthy of a, of a stake and, and a grade one at that. I, I, I'm, not, I'm, not a big, I'm not a big pave over somebody's history uh, in favor of something more recent. It, it, it doesn't sit well, uh, but uh, a phenomenon was fabulous and uh, had a had a tremendous career. I think eight for eight for twelve, six for six or seven for twelve. Won the won the Vosburg, uh, won the Jim Dandy, won the Jerome, won the Vosburg. Uh, then came back the next year. Got bit. If you didn't see that video that I put up with that uh, Rich Migliori did a few years ago of the 1984 uh, Met Mile. Pull that up. Uh, Mac Miller and Fit to Fight, and a phenomenon in a absolute throwdown down the stretch. It, it's a race that doesn't get enough attention and, and uh, you know isn't remembered as as much as it should be. Uh, really good. So anyway, a, the a phenomenon uh, now the Al uh, let's take a look at the Jim Dandy. Uh, I, and I said, boy, you could make a case for anybody in the four-horse field uh, yesterday. I slightly tilted towards early voting. It's kind of kicking myself afterwards because I really liked Epicenter the whole season. And he kind of validated things. And, yeah, here they do have the, the race from the get-go. Yeah. Epicenter will get it done late in here and kind of stamp himself again as the three-year-old. Watch right here. Boom. Watch. There it is. There's Joel, very relaxed. One of the big stories through the Derby and, and the Preakness uh, and, and coming out of the fairground success for Epicenter was, what are they doing? They're trying to teach a speed horse to rate and, and they're taking his best tool away. Okay, uh, perhaps, perhaps they, perhaps they tinkered at a time that, that it might not have been the best time to do it. But look at him now, and this was a bold, I mean, a bold approach to this race, knowing that early voting was probably going to get the lead and was going to be intent on the lead. And, and gets out there in 48. <laughs> you're thinking, Jesus, boy, if we thought that Asmussen was going to yank Rosario off his horses a couple of months ago, what do you think now? <laughs> well, look at this. Now he, now he starts to get him going. And I, I mean, this is really impressive and, and, and incredibly confident. Uh, of of Joel and of uh, the you know Asmussen and everybody that's in, look at him he's not even really he's not even really yeah, he asking him floats by him. now now he gives him a little a little chooch and and here he comes uh, I, this was really impressive did you get a buyer number one oh two one oh two very good uh, uh, one oh five for Jackie's Warrior oh nice that's so hand right 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 
So again, now sets up uh, very nice Travers, obviously, Cyberknife, Epicenter, and uh, we'll take a look in a moment at the, the Curl, and I think there, there's a runner to maybe potentially. Oh, without a doubt, well. Artorias absolutely is going to come. Uh, no, it, it's shaping up well. Uh, we'll see what, uh, you know, what's funny, uh, uh, you know, Baffert can't participate in New York until after January, which, it, it, you know, for, for Travers' purposes is maybe a little, uh, a little bit uh, unfortunate because, you know, he's got a couple. He's actually got a, right now. He's got a case of seconditis out at out at Del Mar. He ran ran second in both the stakes yesterday. I'm sure we'll look at those. But uh, no matter what, you're, you're going to have your two. Right now, your two leaders. I, it's hard to argue that that Epicenter and Cyberknife right now. And then there's all of the the, the Chad horses that uh, basically he's basically four good three year olds, right? So. That's the way. That's the way it looks. Let's take a look at the curl. And speaking of Chad horses, it is Artorias getting it done on Friday in the curl and another uh, prep for you know with some restrictions. Uh, Non-winners of graded sweepstakes uh, entered in here. Artorias is going to be the number nine horse. Gilded Age two runs second. Creative Minister the number seven runs third. I like B better from Rapoli. That one kind of gets pulled Did up. Not and, run well. Yeah, have to get the story on that one. But Artorias chart margin winds up to be just. Uh, under five lengths there. So, again, another horse that we'll, well be seeing in the Travers. And the way he's finishing here is super impressive because uh, this is a mile and an eighth, and, of course, uh, that finish makes it look like uh, the mile and a quarter is going to be absolutely in the wheelhouse. So that was uh, that was nice to get, you know, another emergent three-year-old. That's, you know, that's the other part of the story, having, having three-year-olds you know that uh, were delayed, and uh, you know part of that, part of the the intrigue with that is, of course, is the arrogate factor, uh, and and the fact that this horse has got the very similar like his sire and and Judmont, uh, you know, a horse that you know had the extended delay to get you know the career going. So uh, Chad, you know the timing might be absolutely ideal. Uh, it's going to be a big ask, but uh, I don't see how they resist. Uh, and boy, every time a horse now like this comes to the fore, it just makes you just ache a little bit about Arrogate, you know, Arrogate's passing, uh, because as his runners continue to mature, uh, he, he, he would have been terrific yeah. as, a, as a stallion so nice performance on friday all right let's go out to the west coast just take a look at the san diego because that is a prep for the pacific classic obviously uh, whoever whoever shows up there will have to uh, face up with flight line it's going to be a fun uh, event and uh, yesterday it was royal ship the number nine horse getting it done country grammar is the number eight horse in here coming out of the win in the dubai world cup he'll wind up second in stiletto boy third fourth is number three mandaloon but it was a nice win for uh, richard mandela fox hill farms and royal ship in yesterday's san diego well the late uh rick porter of course with those jackets uh, very familiar uh this is a very nice performance by royal ship looking forward to talking to Richard Mandela about it, and the effort of Country Grammar actually was not bad. He is a he's an authentic mile and a quarter type, and so uh, we'll see about you know shuffling the deck and going the mile and a quarter. I thought he ran okay. Uh, Mandaloon, uh, Mandaloon. Yeah. Uh, we'll we'll see what Brad Cox has to say next time we talk to Brad because that was. That was another blasé yeah. uh, run. So, yeah. 
All right, we're, we're running late here. All right, so let's let, get let, let me just toss out today uh, over on the front side, don't forget low rollers. That's always a lot of fun. Thursdays and Sundays uh, to have a little contest fun. We'll talk contest in a minute with our next guest as well. And you wanted to mention one thing quickly too, uh, the MMA pick four. Oh, I, this has not gotten a lot of publicity yet. Oh, I hadn't heard of it until you mentioned it. Uh, Monmouth, and maybe you're not even aware, Monmouth uh, is taking uh, the opportunity to run on Mondays. Great idea, I think. Through, well, they said, you know, there's no Saratoga on Mondays anymore. So Monmouth is going to run Monday cards. So there'll be Monmouth tomorrow. And then, I'm not sure, I'm not sure if, I think Brian Skirka, the amazing Brian Skirka, who's the empresario of, of contest play uh, in, for all kinds of racetracks, but he's based at Monmouth. Brian, I think, came up with this uh, cross-pollination, multi-race, multi-track pick four. Uh, and they got a nice low number on it, too. I think, they, I think they got a 15%, maybe even a 12% takeout, so it's a minimal takeout. Two races from Monmouth, two races from Colonial, all August, every Monday. Should be fun. We'll handicap it tomorrow on the radio and uh, want to support uh, ideas like this uh, when we can. So, uh, the, and I, I nicknamed it, it's the Monday Mid-Atlantic Pick 4, but I, MMA is easy in everybody's mind, that the mixed martial arts, I, I, don't, I don't particularly get it, but uh, MMA Pick 4. I like Starting it. tomorrow. I like it. All right, and so beat Bit. Did you play yesterday? I did. And? Did, uh, um, you didn't beat Bit, did you? I, I'm, I don't remember. You didn't, but you didn't, you didn't pick and... Epicenter with me. Oh, right, I did. No, I didn't. No, uh, no. But maybe I, no. I have another shot today, though. Well, today, so. today, today will be a little bit, I, I, you know, it's funny. I sh probably should have used, probably should have used the Bing Crosby, which was pretty uh, rough and tumble. But I thought it would be intriguing to use the Jim Dandy to sort of, you know, because for the four horses, yeah, yeah. you had to really think it through. So I picked up a center. And uh, so those, I haven't seen the numbers yet. Today, the Amsterdam is the, is the, uh, beat thick race, and I went with Papa Cap. Who's... I went with the Creed of. Yeah, all right. The yeah, yeah. The 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 now horse, I guess. But uh, and and as it happens, the Depola play of the day. Let's get this into. Oh yeah. Three straight. I've had three straight second place finishes oh. after a bad start. Over four. I had a bunch of three fourths and like a seventh, and finding the range. Uh, and hopefully today, uh, I, I think, frankly, he's probably more likely to be second than win. <laughs> but uh, at 6-1, to one, I thought that was the right price for Papa Cap today. And they'll give Andy Serling a chance to, to kid me because, uh, as, as, as Andy describes him, uh, Steve Bick's Eclipse finalist, uh, Pap uh, Papa Cap was my third Eclipse vote. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he had a hell of a two-year-old year, and he's had a good three-year-old year. Uh, he's sort of, you know, epicenter light. Maybe, maybe today's the day. The DePaula play of the day, six to one. Papa Cap and I, Papa capped it uh, in the beat pick as well. And go to ntra.com/nhc/beatbick. You only have to beat me once, or come with me when I pick a, the winner. If you don't, if you aren't a member of the tour, if you beat me, you have to beat me to get this. A ten dollar. Buy-in. This is right up your alley. Ten dollars yeah. instead of fifty. I'm a member, though. I'm a member. Uh, all right, because you could have taken the forty that you saved and used it for the low roller. Yeah, no, uh, uh, mm -hmm. Or I just win the low rollers; it all evens out. Anyway. Exactly. Uh, but uh, beat pick. Uh, not only will somebody on September seventeenth, which happens to be Tina and and my oh, anniversary, nice. uh, that's the finals. And when we uh, 
get a winner, they'll be eligible for a $1 million bonus if they win the NHC, like David Harrison did. He's up with us next, the NHC champion visiting Saratoga. And we're going to talk to David about his big win, about contest play, about being a horse racing fan and uh, justifying with your spouse all the time and effort you put in to horseplay. Back after this, loose on the lead. To Paula and come join the family for value. Just visit, call, or click. This week, celebrate with savings. Drive Silverado, just $3.99 a month. Yes, $3.99 a month. So come join the family and think to Paula for all your automotive needs. When you think trucks, think to Paula and come join the family for value. Just visit, call, or click. This week, celebrate with savings. Drive Equinox, just $2.59 a month. Yes, $2.59 a month. So come join the family and think to Paula for all your automotive needs. Stone is an outside They're coming down to the finish. Can Smarty Jones hold on? Here comes Birdstone. Birdstone surges past. Birdstone wins the Belmont Stakes. But here comes High Chaparral. High Chaparral, the defending champ, to take it to Papa. These two arch rivals head to head with Joe Hart bearing down on them. It's going to be a three-horse photo finish in the turn. Here's the wire. Photo finish. It only takes one upset to make history and now you can be part of Saratoga's long tradition at the Dark Horse Mercantile. The Dark Horse Mercantile offers a carefully curated selection of clothing, gifts, and home decor from one-of-a-kind vintage racing memorabilia to select brands like Barber and Under Armour as well as exclusive Dark Horse branded merchandise. So celebrate the Dark Horse in all of us at the Dark Horse Mercantile downtown Saratoga where the smart bet is always the Dark Horse. What if there was a way to become a better horse player, to have a better knowledge of the game, to be more successful? What if there were a way to take what you've learned, what you know, and make better decisions, better choices? In horse racing, knowledge is a powerful tool. Race results and replays, past performances and live streaming, wagering from all your digital devices. Capital OTB, become a better horse player. We're back on Loose on the Lead on an absolutely glorious day in Saratoga. We got the heat out of the way. The heat was on in Vegas, though. The heat's always on in Vegas, but it's a dry heat. <laughs> it, 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 it wasn't uh, all that uh, dry a heat, though, for David Harrison of Webster, near, you know, actually part of Rochester, who was your NHC champion last August. And uh, David, great to have you here back in Saratoga. 
and it's, it's a victory tour. Yeah, I feel like I'm home. I, as soon as I drove into uh, Saratoga outskirts, the first thing I did, though, was stop and get a Stewart's mac and cheese. There's certain areas <laughs> of the country I love the mac and cheese, so I did that. And before we get started with horse playing and, and, and the ponies and the NHC, I, I realize now, I uh, learned a few things last night. First of all, either the horseshoes getting younger and younger or I'm getting older and older. I couldn't believe it used to be you stroll in there at 7 o'clock, you know, a bunch of horse players, then it got younger, but wow. But before, also, I wanted to give a shout out. I had a fantastic dinner, myself and Mary Ellen, at a place called the Brook Tavern. Sure. And Carol Ann, the manager, I had the best crab cake, I think, ever in my life. Over no offense spot? to Blue. No, right here, oh, right in the corner of Nelson and... And unions. It's, it's not on Seth's dining circuit. Oh, it, shoot. It, okay, it, uh, okay. It's eight. It's, and I have Andrea's and uh, yeah, Walmart. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. But uh, it was awesome. <laughs> Shout out to my waitress, uh, Alex. It was the best crab. No, no offense to Blue. That's maybe the close second crab cake. This is, but this is, this is troubling. All right. Yeah. All so right, I'm no, just no. recommending that place highly. All so right. thank you guys last night. <laughs> Good and job. I have to tell you, I'm such a party town. I forget. I lived here 11 years. That I almost didn't make it back to Casino Lake. We were going to be sleeping in the parking lot of the. Uh, my wife wouldn't go for it. She wanted to change. You know, <laughs> it, and it's funny you talk about the social, you know, the post-race social scene, mm -hmm. and, and I, you know, I, I haven't participated in a long time. But there is one thing this morning. I, our, our Philly worked early, so I, I came up uh, from the lowlands, uh, from Henning Road, and, you know, it's quarter of seven, and there's a couple of cars parked here and there. And it's one of the great and funny throwbacks to, you know, to a younger age oh. when you'd wake up somewhere in the area and somebody would have to bring you back to the, one of the parking lots for your car. And there's your lone car sitting, you know, down in the lowlands behind the barns. You know, in an empty field, and and I and, it, and I had a bit of a flashback yeah, to that. I think, it it yeah, made me laugh. Yeah, yeah. That the same exact you know, thought process. I've been to all for this. There must have been, uh, you know, probably hundreds of people between the ages of 18 and 35, nice. and I, we were probably the oldest people there. That's all right. That's, oh, that's, 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 that's a fantastic band, cover band. That does. You stood in that line yesterday. I walked back and picked up my car. I, I the left, line was halfway yeah. down the block. Seth, I left before the last race, and of course, when I didn't watch the race, I hit Man Muni's, so maybe that's a good sign. I'll walk, <laughs> play the race, go to the horseshoe, play the race, go to the horseshoe. But yeah, I expected to see you there last night. I wasn't going to wait in the line. I wasn't going to wait So there was no line, but when we walked out, I'm like, like, this is crazy. This place is like a zoo. And it's all bachelorette parties, bachelor parties. It's just crazy. Wow. Yep. It's no, even hec more hectic than it, Vegas. It was it was a mob scene here oh, yesterday. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt. Yeah. I got here for the third race, and I could, you can always I parked by the barn, and I walked over, and I, could, I was like, oh, boy, this is yeah. this is a big time. And, it, and it's, you know, it's really next week. Next Saturday is traditionally the, you know, the monster, yeah. Yeah. the first Whitney monster weekend. Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, they announced the tennis yep. yesterday, 37,000 plus. They're proud. Excellent. Wow. Proud. Very big. How about? I, I, have, I have to ask, yes, you, you won uh, the, kind of the uh, outlier NHC being August. Did it help that you were playing some Saratoga? Um, absolutely. Um, Saratoga, obviously, Naira is my circuit for years. I grew up on Long Island, Belmont, uh, Aqueduct, and Saratoga. But, um, yeah, but I think what happened, believe it or not, being there in August and that short turn time between August and, and early February is that I was more comfortable. I'm a, I'm a creature of habit. I like to act. I'm a guy that if I travel, 
I like to get acclimated to my surroundings for a day or two. That short-term time, I think, helped me. But what also helped me, I think, aqueduct canceling both Saturday and Sunday, believe it or not, because sometimes you have a predisposed bias to certain horses. You're like, oh, I'm concentrating on aqueduct because I know that track the best. I did that the other two years, concentrating on Naira, and I'm like, I think I missed prices and other you know, tracks. Oh, that's so, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's probably a blessing in disguise. It forced me to play, you know, handicap hard. I didn't, you know, Oak Lawn, Laurel, and reach out, and I think that definitely helped me. I spent more time. Talk a little bit about your, your learning curve, and, and, and then we'll talk about what went on the three days. Because you visited with me mm -hmm. on a pretty regular basis leading you know, through Saturday and, and into Sunday. Uh, the other experiences and, and how you fared your first, you know, your first time at the NHC, subsequently, and, and the things that you, in retrospect, think may help make a difference in terms of not that people can't show up in Vegas first time NHC qualifiers yeah. mm -hmm. plenty of them do very well yeah but and and make final table in fact oh I absolutely mean, Ryan uh, who finished second or third to me yeah AJ Ryan yeah first timer I believe exactly right? yeah. uh, he's a good player good player but it, it, there there is there is the more typical learning curve of experience and and the the sensory overload and in some cases uh you know uh, working too hard and, and getting worn down mm -hmm. uh there's the question about uh, arriving the day before or coming maybe 72 hours before and acclimating to the to the time clock and and to the right. west coast pacific coast time mm -hmm. there there's a lot of nuance and and some of it are experiences that you won't even you don't even realize Correct. are holding you back, that held you back in your performance until you've experienced it. Exactly, exactly. Uh, the first year was 2017 that uh, I made Vegas, and I, I did it by winning the Big A Wood Challenge. Nice. And to me, I looked at nice. it, that's the reward. The Vegas trip yeah. is the reward for winning that con on track contest. So anything you get, I mean, just the, the goal when you get there is to make the cut. Because what the cut is ten grand. Uh, I, hey, listen, to get a free trip to Vegas, free accommodation, airfare, all the yep, and that's a great uh, plan. But um, what happened is the first year I wasn't particularly organized. Um, I think I needed a better plan, and was I in awe? Not particularly. But again, it took me a while to get acclimated to my surroundings, and I had a uh, problem a little bit with the uh, time change from East Coast to West Coast. So really kind of with a learning experience. And, and again, back and going back in August of 2021 in the quick turn time, that definitely helped me. And I was much more organized going into this year. What I decided to do is I categorized races. So I had either an A column, B column, C, and then an F. F is a race I'm not playing no matter what any circumstance. I'm not comfortable five and a half for a long sprint or a race that I don't usually have success at. A was a race that I thought was a great contest race, definitely playable. B, possibility if there's scratches in A races, and C is like, okay, that's on the border, so if there's a little change, then C can be, become a B and A. So I think that really helped me a lot. Yeah. Talk about your, your methodology in terms of reaching, you know, we, we talk often in contest play 
about you know, knowing where the cut line is going to be, what the anticipated number is going to be day one, where you need to be, uh, you know, then adjusting the kind of horses that you're, you're picking. Other players, they, they've got a, a wheelhouse. They're not going to play anything below nine to two. Uh, they're, they're, you know, then, then there's guys, then there's guys that, that like Ray Arsenault that won't pay anything, play anything below Long 25 exactly. to one. Right, right. Bomb horse, cap horses. Uh, my goal was, um, th after the first day, I was 0 for 7, so I had to start reaching wow. out. Yeah, and my first uh, win was at Aqueduct, believe it or not. The, horse, the race that I focused on was running with scissors. I'll never forget ran, that horse. Ran, yeah, now I'm married Friday. to him. I have to play him every time. Now, I missed him when he went on the turf because I was out of town. I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. So that started me on my roll. And then after that, I hit the next two mandatories and optional. And, but the thing is, to me, optionals, I have no problem playing a favorite in an optional, unless it's day hmm. two and you're so far behind, because you need to, hey, listen, if you have a five to two or three to one shot and you, he wins, that's another 11, 12 bucks to the bankroll and three or four other mandatories that you can get. It doesn't have to be a long shot. Now, I will give myself every day at least one or two crazy horses, hunts plays, horse that you'd say, most likely not going to win, but if everything breaks right, hmm. and I think you have to know or really focus on what races that's a possibility in it. The last race at Saratoga yesterday, um, that the 11th, Bad the 10th race, those yep. are contest races. Yep. Now, in my normal play, they may not be key plays for me because I think they're inscrutable, but those are contest races. So it's picking out the race and being organized, I think, really helped me this year. Once you once you basically got into contention, you basically just kept pace. I mean, we sometimes see, especially day one and early day two, we'll see people bubble up on the board, have an early, you know, get put an early big number up, and even very frequently the day one leader. It's very hard to maintain that momentum. One of the things we discussed on radio the other day is the confidence level, and you mentioned starting out 0 for 7. Uh, which is a, a hole, I mean, right off the bat. But once you found that range, then you, you were just uh, not necessarily unconscious, but you obviously had great confidence in the direction uh, you know, of your selection process. And uh, from there, it, it was really just maintaining the lead, especially at the final table. Yeah, you know, it, it's almost, I can equate it almost to a hitter in baseball. Either going when you go into sure. a slump, nothing. You're not seeing the ball. You're not judging things. When you start hitting and going to a streak, now horse playing can be very streaky. I just happen to go on a streak, and the confidence level is a big thing. The year before, the, I was 0-4. I had four dollars in my in my bankroll. Last race, first day, Saratoga, I hit a 18 to one shot. I look up, it's blinking. Got DQ'd. Oof. That was my last bullet. I had, uh, a, you know, I'm like, all right, now this is going to change. I have four dollars. So it changes your outlook Saturday morning, or you have. To, I probably reached out that Saturday for two made long shots too early. So it just that was that sad. This time, my goal was just to chip away. I was like amazed after day one. I was like sixty or seventy. I took a picture and sent it to everybody. I'm like, can you believe it? I made. I'm near the cut line, and that would have been a huge accomplishment for me. And then I was handy. I spent a lot of time in the evenings handicapping these races, knowing, hey, listen, there's a lot of money on the line. It's one thing to have a good time, party with your table, horse playing. You know how you've been there. Sure. Everybody wants to go out to dinner. Everybody yep, wants to have exactly. a cocktail with you. 
But I'm like, gentlemen, especially after day two, I'm like, gentlemen, I got uh, no offense, got I got a ghost. I am going back to the room. I actually went back up to the room, got my other racing form, went down to Sabaros on the first floor, had a soda and a Coke, and I spent about two hours there. I might have had two slices, but don't tell me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's just a matter of the confidence level. And, listen, when you're, as horse players, it's pretty common, right, to have one good day. It's like you're here for three days. Sure. One good day. You have two really good days, rather a little more unlikely, but to have three really good days in a row as a horse player, That's it's almost you know mind-boggling. And everything was, even the horses, the moderate-priced horses, I had cat horses running second, I had you know, 10, 12, 13 one-shots running third, just missing. So it was just, in the end, when I got up to the final table, or near the top 10, my goal was chip, chip away. Even if I needed a three-to-one shot on consolation day, I'm sorry, on semifinal day, just to chip in 10th, 9th, 8th, just to make Maintain. that cut. And then when I catapulted to the lead, I was in shock. I mean, uh, and then you get to the final table, you have to look to block after the third or fourth race. Yes. I just, I played the first three races, just played like normal, and then we'll see where the dust settles. Then I gotta see what does um, AJ have, what does uh, Ryan have, and then you, you look at the likely horses that they're going to use, and you have to try to block. That was my mindset. And if they caught me, they caught me. I was going to enjoy the experience. And it's still, the top 10 was still a great payoff. So I wasn't really worrying about the money. The we, ultimate we, payoff, 725000 That'll do. That'll do. Not so bad. We got to jump off. Uh, you got, Dave, you got a play today? But, a play or two? Do I have a play? Yes. yes. There's a horse. I love the angle, winning a race over the track and moving up. And now you have a winning the race over the track, claim, first time off the claim, Linda Rice, race four, number four, majority partner. Moves up, but I love that move. This, I always like the win over the track, affinity for the track, nice. horses for horses, and I'll give it a shot. Eight to one, six to one uh, with Ortiz. Majority partner. Yep. We like it, like. and uh, we like rooting for the local. Paul Matisse brings some money home. And Paul, yep. Uh, we have to post with a picture. I'll, uh, I'm going to post it on Twitter if, it's okay, if Paul's okay with it. Great to meet him. We'd yep. like to have the locals and the local natives yep. uh, showing up at uh, Vegas and getting it done. All right, we'll take a break. Loose on the lead will continue. We'll talk a little Naira and the Saratoga meet so far and more. Stay tuned. Come on! I want sales reports on my desk by Monday. Whoops. My bad. Love racing? RTN brings you every live simulcast on your home television, plus live video streaming and race replays on your PC and mobile devices. To order, visit RTN.TV. RTN, a breed apart. The Clubhouse Racebook is the Capital Region's new home for racing and sports. 25,000 square feet of Vegas-style action with live wagering on the best horse racing from around the world. 260 flat-screen televisions and state-of-the-art wagering terminals. So don't miss out. The fun is only minutes away at 711 Central Avenue, Albany, just off exit 5 of I-90. And don't forget, if you can't make it to the Clubhouse, you can always wager online 24-7 at CapitalOTV.com. I'm Seth Merrill, and as serious horse players, we know that information is critical when placing a bet. With live streaming of more than 30 tracks, race replays, 
free past performances and daily picks from professional handicappers, no one gives you more up-to-the-minute information than Capital OTB. Combine that with the best player awards in New York State, and you have everything a serious horse player needs to be successful. Win more with Capital OTB. Winning starts here. Welcome back to Loose on the Lead on this Sunday morning. As promised before the break, happy to be joined now by David O'Rourke, President and CEO of the New York Racing Association. Good morning. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for stopping by. And let's just kind of kick things off with just your thoughts and overview so far. Uh, you know, we're, what, 13 days in. Um, yesterday, a phenomenal crowd announced attendance over 37,000. There was, what, 29,000 uh, on Friday. I think this weekend is kind of... Uh, kicking things off in fine fashion at the end of July into the traditional August period. But, boy, the first 13 days, I think, racing-wise and just listening to the fans has been fabulous. Your thoughts? Yeah, no, the fans have been great. Uh, it it kind of feels like uh, the rush came a little early this year, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's yeah. great because, like you just said, usually as soon as you get into August, you kind of feel the crowds kind of swell. swell. Yeah, good way of putting it. But, um, yeah, this year, opening day, and, we, you know, it was pretty hot. That yeah. First, and, uh Weather's calmed down a little bit, but I think yesterday was like the first real big day, and uh, now we're going to roll right into August. So yeah. you know the fans have been great, um, shows have been good, uh, handles up, attendance has been up, and uh, let's just have a good August, right? Yeah, handle was crazy the first few days. I mean, so if it's like this, carry over, yeah, we're going to be good. Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it is very uh, weather dependent, obviously, and we've had we have had some Saratoga crazy weather. There have been a couple of days where there's been a downpour <laughs> with blazing sun, mm. but it's Saratoga in the summertime. I think overall the weather's been very nice, and what, we lost maybe a yeah. couple of turf races. Well, from, yeah, from a player's point of view, they had see in Saratoga, it's like you're in South Florida sometimes, and it just comes down, and uh, so we had to come off the turf for a couple of races the other day. We we really don't like doing yeah. that, but. Um, for safe, we just don't have a choice sometimes, and we, we thought we'd get those in. Um, and you know, as you guys know, sometimes you just lose. There's been there's been a total of five races that have come off the turf, and and in terms of a frustration for the horse players, uh, once the sequence starts. And, oh yeah, no, and, you know, no, I, you all, I get it. It's embarrassing it, on our like. Yeah. You were here, right? If, I actually was away. No, I was in I was in Jersey. Yeah. It felt it like we were fine. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. just came out of nowhere. Yeah. But yeah. Well, and in fact, Andy, Andy Serling and I talked about this on on radio the other day. People ask, well, if they know it's going to rain, then take them off before the sequence. Well, wait a minute. You would never have a turf race in Saratoga. How do we know? I mean, you don't know. <laughs> I, as, yeah. I mean, as somebody that when we had the the barbecue, when we would track. You know, we would track storms, and, and a lot of times they're heading right for us, yeah. and it rides high, it dives down. But if you take, if you go ahead in advance and take those races off the turf, I mean, we, we've, we're owners, we've got horses, tr the, the horsemen, yeah. they're wet. And now all of a sudden, you, you've, you've put upon the owners and the trainers by forcing a, a, you know, a situation where they lose the race that they were targeting. It, it, it nobody's happy. I mean, you it, when when that occasion arose twice in a week, it, and nobody nobody is looking for that to happen. No, trying maybe to make we, it happen. Maybe we got out of the way for the rest of the meet. That could be. 
statistics statistics well, leaving out. So, uh, but no, I, I and we apologize for stuff like that. We can't control it. We're always trying to do the right thing in terms of safety and for the player. And sometimes um, you just get caught. Well, and you also had, I mean, the, the thing with the, the thing with the tractor. Oh yeah. I, I, I love, I love the comments on, 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 uh, on social media. Well, at no other racing circuit would have a tractor stall. What? The, the tractors stall at racetracks, and and that happens where the gate can't be taken off the off the happens all the time. You may not you may not see it daily, but it happens all the time. That is a, a situation where um, everyone they did the, the right thing was done. It's Correct. It's an unfortunate outcome, but the outrider has a very short window, and he's out there to protect the riders. Yep. So kudos to him for making a call. Cause it's not easy to make a call like that. Yeah, like, exactly. Take it upon yourself. Yep. Split second. Um, yeah, yeah we, we would have gotten the gate out of the way, but I'm glad he made the call. Exactly. I mean, exactly. I, I can just leave it on that one. All right. So the mishaps are over for the meet. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. Statistically. Yeah. 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 Statistically. Right. Let me let me uh, jump in with. Uh, and I walked around the track the other day, and I took some pictures of some of the improvements that have been made really since yeah. you've been in office. And so, hats off to you for some of these uh, nice uh, decisions that I think have improved the fan experience and kind of put the facility in a 21st century mode as far as appealing uh, to the fans. And we have some pictures of the stretch, which I have said since day one was a great addition to the track. Those uh, two areas up at the top of the grandstand were on most days uh, unoccupied, but yeah. now the stretch, it's kind of a little upgraded experience. The spa verandas, which I think plays to groups down at the top of the stretch. The tailgate with the chute, the tailgate area is still there. I think that's been a great addition. The 1863 Club, uh, beautiful. And I told you when you sat down, I was happy to be invited yesterday by the Bonaventure Group. They had the upstairs in the new paddock suites, the new uh, uh, facility in the paddock bar area. I had a great time. I think it's a nice facility. I was out on the uh, uh, balcony overlooking the paddock. It's a great uh, addition. And the Wilson shoot this year as well. So, again, I, I, as I say, most of these have been under your uh, tutelage, under your uh, time in office. And so, again, congratulations to you and the team. I think these are all nice improvements that have been good for the racing but have been very good for the fans as well. Thanks. I mean, they're cool projects. Up here yeah. you have fun. You have to do things in um, you know, increments when you're dealing with something like uh, something as successful and, and important as Saratoga. Uh, the paddock suites, really, when you take the, the paddock bar, was the post bar, was the best bar. But it was a 10. So that was like a, you know, that's taking an investment in something that's already working and trying to bring it to another level and have it fit in. Yeah. Uh, the, the stretch, that's, you know, been around for a little yeah. while now, but that's taking something that was underutilized. It, Completely. Traverse Day, you'd have people down there. Otherwise, it was pretty empty. So why not try and change it and give um, kind of like a more high-end but casual experience? Because in the normal, in the traditional boxes, it's you're wearing a jacket usually, and it's, it's more formal. A lot of people like to be casual when they come out, and that gave um, that gave an offering for them. The, uh, the the spa verandas. Now that's probably something we'll bring over to near the shoot now. So we're going to okay. look at that area for the next year or so and see what we can do in kind of that outside barbecue feel for it. Um, I can't. The shoot's Glenn Kozak, all Glenn, and um, actually. Uh, Bruce. Bruce uh, Johnstone. Yeah, that was something that Bruce always talked about. He always wanted it back. He's so got a race for him named going through it. Um, so that that's worked well so far. And we're probably going to like build around it now with something similar that you saw on the screen before. 
And uh, but yeah, I appreciate that, and everyone seems to be enjoying it. And that's it. Yeah, that's all the, the facilities. Goal. Yeah, like I say, it brought it into the 21st century. You talk about stadiums around the country for other sports. They've all upgraded in the suites and whatnot. And you have the 1863 club that now uh, appeals to that. But uh, again, you, you're appealing to the other side with the, the stretch and whatnot. So I think it's been a great addition and keeping the the historical you know, veneer of the venue as well. Yeah, and then we got rid of the Paddock Tent, which nobody yeah, was yeah, a fan yeah. of. We've gotten right. rid of, we've gotten rid of people, there, there's been tents that were temporary structures for decades. Yeah. The, the, the tent that the 1863 club replaced. Yeah, yeah it, the footprint's the same. Exactly, and, and people were like, oh, the, the, the aesthetic of, uh, of the 1863, see the aesthetic of the 1863, it, it, what, you think, it's, you think it's worse than a tent? Then a, a, a big clunky tent? I, you got to be kidding me. I, you know what I wanted to ask, and, and I remember when the project started, what, around 2000? This is probably be, this is before your arrival. Like 16, 17? <sighs> yeah, the, like in the planning phase of the, it. Well, the designer, uh, the, uh, Paul Roberts. Oh, oh, yeah, that's way before, yeah. Paul Roberts, yeah. and I think this goes back to, this may even go back to Barry Schwartz and, and Charlie, that... Yeah. that uh, where Paul Roberts, who had done the work at Ascot and, and the, the rebuilding of, of Ascot, and, and I think also, I think also Longchamp, he, he does, he's done basically all the biggest international redesigns, and he came here and offered a lot of insights. But I'm curious too. I saw the pictures. I don't know if you saw the pictures this week from Churchill mm -hmm. of them knocking down the paddock at Churchill. It is so freaky that we're, by the time we we all go back to Churchill and uh, that that is going to be completely gone. How much visiting and observation and note exchange and experience discussion do the track organizations and, and I would think Churchill and Saratoga. And, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. How much, how much observation of, of each other's projects goes into some of the ideas? And and you know, we we talked. I know about the about the uh, the turn, the first turn, and utilizing uh, the hunt meets, use, you know, utilizing the steeplechase, uh, you know, parking space idea, mm -hmm. uh, and how that came yeah, about. That's true. Uh, but I'm just curious. You know, if you if you go to Churchill, we go, you go every year to, to Derby and and look around because they've got that barbecue. They had a dead area uh, on the turn for home that that far was called what's called Baby Grand. That area was dead for them. They turned it into this into this barbecue pit area with 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 those you know, lounges. Now they've taken the, some of the worst seats in the building down on the ground and they've done they've done the banquettes. Yeah. They've done a 15 or 18 banquettes. Um, I mean, so they're reimagining a, a historic facility as well, and keep augmenting. Uh, you know, they're you know maximizing the value. I, I know they get criticized for it, but uh, you know, you've got you've got you know these eight weeks that are just invaluable to the success of the association. So you have to maximize every opportunity. Yes, every facility is different, yeah. and everybody does. You know, watches. We all dialogue across, and everyone has very specific goals. And Churchill's, in a lot of ways, built for two days of racing, to, and it's huge crowds, and it's an incredible asset. Uh, we've got 40 days up here, but it's different. Um, you know, and on our approach for Saratoga, you know, Belmont will be different than Saratoga as well. But speaking to Saratoga, it's you have. This is how we feel as a management team, and and our, and our board. You're balancing between the family experience. You, it needs to be accessible. You do have the spectrum of price point, 
but we definitely don't want to get over focused on say maximizing every square foot for the dollar because really Saratoga is um, an incubator for fans in a lot of ways very much uh, and I, you know I obviously you know it's great that you recognize that because I well, think you're totally well, correct. Here's one of the I think going assets. to the track develops fans. I wasn't here, but I know the history, like in the '80s, with the backyard development um, and what that did for the sport. I think um, is massive. It created a generation of fans, yeah. multi generations. Now. Yeah, and that's really what you're seeing yeah. the success now here. And this is what I believe. You know, we're hitting numbers. Like attendance is strong. It's growing, and it, it's a platform with that we're able to leverage with television to expand it. And it's not so much a regional play anymore; it's national. So, our eye here is trying to balance this out, and that's why things like the shoe, like that's an area and that's a price point where it, it needs to be accessible to the the public per se. You know, the 1863 was a very specific investment, um, and we've learned things from that. And that uh, that did begin before my time. It was in terms of Paul Roberts, both the stretch and the 1863 were part of that master yeah, that, plan now yeah. do they look exactly the same as the drawings no yeah. i don't think they do um you know but in 1863 on the third floor we have six suites they're amazing suites but you can make the argument that they're they're bigger than normal and maybe we could have gotten a dozen smaller ones not sure what the right answer is because you can't really revisit it at this point but um so we we build we learn um but here it's we're going to be really cautious what we do and we're always going to emphasize at least for me, the family experience is huge. I think it's huge, and I don't think we've lost that. People can bring food into this venue. There's how many sporting venues yeah. can you do that? Um, essentially none. So we're going to keep that, and um, so I, we're going to have a balanced approach. Really, when you get down to it. I also think a few years ago when you you introduced the uh, season pass, that was great for yeah. fans because up here I think there's a lot of people that want to come every day or want to come a couple of times a week or whatever and, and it, that is a very affordable way to recognize yeah. those fans that aren't just the once or twice a meet fans they're people you want and and you want to show appreciation to them and i think that was a great addition yeah I, you get feedback on those and you're exactly right where it's two thirty, three o'clock hey, i just shot over for a couple of races because um i have the pass yeah so it's definitely helping in, in, in that uh in that aspect so speaking about developing fans to talk a little bit about the television show and the development of that it, that's just become a great addition and i've said it to you and the other folks i've had sit in here involved with the television show it's not just great for naira i think it's great for the game because i think it, that helps develop fans too to put the racing product as you do on a fairly daily basis not just focusing on naira but some other tracks as well but to do it on a national level i think that's pulling in new people yeah and you guys here have been doing that for a long time and we appreciate uh what you guys have done and, and it's a very you have a very strong regional brand uh, but what racing was missing I we felt in the mid-2000s like say 2010 11 12 was uh, a really a presence on uh, mainstream sports on a national level and the industry made some moves there were some uh, NBC shows that we had done up here and then uh, I know some others the Jockey Club came the in Jockey Club some, yeah. on Fox, Fox. Was yeah. and that brought kind that of Fox the, in yeah. and Fox kind of took a look around and it's evolved into the Fox series that we have now. Uh, we were on Big Fox yesterday. Uh, the Whitney will be on NBC broadcast, I believe. So if you look at racing in the last 10 years, how much exposure it has, it's amazing. And it's great because it's, it's an inflection point where at the same time, sports betting has been legalized. So we, we got a shot and it's working well as an industry to position ourselves for this massive customer base growth 
accessible customer base growth with our game. And yeah. I think it's all working well. And you know, we're we're really pleased with our partners at Fox, and we really appreciate what you guys do here. I appreciate that. Uh, and as I say, I applaud you guys whenever I have somebody come in involved with the television show because I think you do a great job. And as I say, I think that's developing new fans. They won't let me on the Fox show though. <laughs> you guys, this is great. Okay, so we get uh, we get extra credit there. Yeah. I, I like that. Yeah. Um, I wanted to touch on another thing too, and, I, and I'm just curious. Talk a little bit about you know when you're in the the back room and and having the discussions with the various uh, members of your team and whatnot. What goes into and how often do you look? Because you added this turf triple uh, just recently, and I'm curious if the, you know new bets coming into the game is kind of unusual. And you added a, a nice little wrinkle with the turf triple. So how do those discussions develop, and how do you decide to to pull in a new type of wager like that? That's a good question. My uh, when I came into this. When I came to Nyer in 2008, I was really from the finance side, uh, not racing. Um, so I, I learned it from the finance side, simulcasting. Uh, there's a lady here at the time, Liz Bracken, who mm. kind of taught me quite a bit about how the industry economics work, and uh, then wagering in like the early pick five. The pick, like, so those were, I was, I don't say they were my babies, like Andy Serling would have a lot of input on them. Now there's a whole new team. Uh, Joe Longo would be yeah. the person on that, and you know he's, for lack of a better term, experimenting, and this will evolve. Um, so I don't want to say I'm hands off on it, but I'm letting them play with the product because it's one bet. Yeah. You know, there, in some ways you could say, what's the harm if it doesn't work? You just yeah. try something new. I know he's been iterating on it. Um, I have some ideas on it, but I don't really like to push them because I, I might suggest them, but I, I want them to kind of. Uh, it's their, it's their game to play now. Yeah. So, you know, I've always wanted a, any, and this is a, I always have to come up with something here that's something I get crushed on Twitter for. Uh, <laughs> if, <laughs> that's not hard. Yeah. That's not no, hard. but this, this one's a good one. Uh, <laughs> a pick three exacta for 10 cents. Three straight exactas. Yeah, it's certainly like, and like I came a, up with this a few years. Oh, a while ago it. now. Yeah. It's a pick and exacta. Like I kind of like that. For it's like the twin try. Like yeah, the, yeah, and yeah, you, you put in the last like the three races, and it's like kind of like yeah. you got a last shot for a decent payout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a twenty dollars ticket get you different decent amount of coverage on it. Well, and there's, I mean, one one thing that that New York. That's my has bad been, idea. For no, it's not. Yeah. Listen, there's no bad ideas. There may be. No, there are. Know, trust there, me. That's like, true. Yeah. All right. Like, 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 you mean like, you mean like racing roulette. Uh, that that was attempted. Uh, yeah, that, that's tough. Uh, mutual <laughs> because that's where like fixed odds come in. Well, yeah. that's that, go ahead, go on this because I, yeah. I I was down in Monmouth uh, for the weekend, and I mean the betmaker team. I know you've had conversations no, with everybody, yeah. and they they you've acknowledged that it's something that if if the door can be forced open, you want to be involved. Here's how I've I've been a pretty big proponent of getting onto sports betting platforms because of the size of the market. How we get there is, is a massive industry question and strategy. The preference from not me would be have them adopt paramutual. And this is just setting aside all the laws because there's a lot of different laws. That, but in a vacuum, have them adopt paramutual. At that point, then go into promotional bets and start to dip your toe into the fixed odd that, side. That, but you, I, I think for the industry, because of the way the pools, we don't want to cannibal. We want to minimize the cannibalization and make this accretive. So, and I believe this is the way it will roll out. It'll be paramutual will be adopted. And then you'll start to see, um, I don't want to call them novelty bets, but it's almost like marketing. And then you might be able to go further because there are limitations yeah. in the 
with pools and, and trying to introduce a like a roulette bet. But well, you could do that just, fixed odds on, that, that off, was, on the fly. Well, and and, and Drazen, Dennis Drazen, that's part of Dennis's strategy is, you know, because they were, I mean, Dennis single-handedly more or less changed the landscape of sports betting in, in the world with, with what he accomplished. But one of the things that they want to do at, at Monmouth is to have, you know, parlay, you know, involvement between sports, oh, cross and sports stuff. Cross, yeah. Yes, that's yeah. that's a big part of you know their hope. I mean, it, it it's it's going to be, and it's been. This has been the challenge going back to Betfair and and uh, uh, you know in race wagering uh, the the exchange the exchange market is is the you know the way things are structured. You talked about legalities and and the jurisdictions is getting critical mass and, and getting you know the necessary yeah. tipping point volume wise and dollar wise to make yeah. this work. I mean, you know, and every we we keep hearing and, and everybody and and I understand well, why they talk about Australia and New Zealand, but Australia and New Zealand had a very different scenario where they had they had one they have one tote operator. They don't have all these multiple tote operators. They don't have all these multiple jurisdictions with different tote rules. So it, it you know, I, okay, granted it was a big success there. That's great to hear, but we don't, we've got an infrastructure that is first of all creaky and difficult. Yeah, I don't know if the infrastructure in the tote side is any different, to be honest with you. No. Like, it's not actually. Well, except that we have three different, we have three different vendors, they have different right? totes too. They have three. They have different vending. They have tabs. Because I'm different. not an expert on Australia, no, I, I, but I, I, the different um, territories do have different. Okay, I mean, now like, I don't like, know what like the back end. I see what you mean. But to your point, it's cultural too. Yeah. And what have they been doing? And Betfair, in terms of an exchange, it's, right? And you're saying liquidity on the exchange. Maybe it's introduced an exchange before you have fixed odds because they're kind of more married than the parimutuel. It's kind of. You want to introduce fixed odds, and then maybe the exchange comes. I think all these products ultimately have a place. It's just you got to roll them out. Like right now, the the challenge was, um, or our challenge, and was funding. Like you have an account, and you need to fund, a, say, a paramutual accounts under a certain um, license, or a sports betting accounts on a different license. Right. And there's codes for that in terms of, and I'm really referring to credit cards. And then commingling that, if you're funding f for different things with different codes, to commingle it into a unified wallet, because you need to have a unified, yeah, yeah. you need to make this easy on people. Well, that's been the yeah. problem. Yeah. That's, and that then, has been resolved now, yeah. and that's working through. That's why I believe that Paramutual will land onto these platforms in the near future. I'm talking six, 12 months. And then I think you'll see different jurisdictions, like Jersey, who, who are probably the most aggressive. Yeah. And, and you know, hats off to Dennis for everything he has done, uh, start to introduce uh, fixed odds and certain things. We're going to be conservative with it. We'd like to try it. Um, you know, I understand the cross bet thing. In my mind, it's something we could possibly integrate into the shows, where you could say, uh, oh, "That's my horse, your horse, and we're just going to." Doesn't matter who wins the race, but like I like that horse. You're like, you, you've done this. I know every, every player has in, in a disagreement, and you could actually put that on the show. Have have people like Jonathan and Andy, for instance, disagree or. Yeah. And then just create a bet right there. And you can do it on the fly. You can't do that with Paramutual. And that, that lends to a, an engagement with the fan where I'll put 10 bucks down on, on yeah, Exactly. I, and I brought up exchange, the exchange experiment, experiment from about 10 years ago just because it never reached. They, they, it, it had people that liked it and played it, but it didn't. if yeah. you don't have matchups, if you don't have enough 
uh, enough people engaging yeah, on either side, liquidity. you can't. Yeah. So, yeah. and the concern, I know the concern for the people that have been have been anticipating this and sort of watching its development is that 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 fixed odds is going to face the same challenge until there's a critical mass that there's enough. I mean, I guess Colorado is is poised for to be the next. I mean, you know, that's the next really a question for the books on on how aggressive they want to be with their lines because. Um, yeah, liquidity is important for them, not so much for the customer. It depends on what they want to put the line out on and how much risk they want to take on. So I haven't really been paying attention to what the, uh, you know, in Jersey, like what their takeout or whatever you want to term it on their side is. But, um, you know, that, that comes down to the competitive of the market, the tax rate in the jurisdiction, and how aggressive the, uh, the, the house or the book wants to be. Uh, you know, for us in Parimutuel, you're, dead, you're, you're absolutely right. It's about liquidity, size of pools. Same thing goes for an exchange. But on the fixed odds side, they can launch with relatively light activity as long as they want to maintain the book out there and their book will get out of balance. And you know that's their game. They know what they're doing on that. Well, sure. bet, bet, makers, bet makers pledges or, or absolutely says that they've got, you know, they've got the, you know, they're just an intermediary, yeah. uh, but that they've got the, you know, the bookmakers that that are committed to this, to making it, to making it happen. So it, it, it may be a very slow development curve, but you're, you know, I've heard repeatedly that, that you're poised uh, that, you know, if it, if it gets to a point where New York can be involved. Yeah. You'll, I mean, you'll at the moment, it. until we get a specific um, law change in New York, we can't right. distribute fixed odds in North America. Internationally, yes. But, uh, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's, it's actually, the person pointed out, I was impressed with uh, the Interstate Horse Racing Act. Part of it really says, in a nutshell, you can go across state lines uh, as long as the bet is legal in both jurisdictions. So in New Jersey, you can place fixed odds wagers on horse racing. In New York, it's specifically prohibited at the moment. Right. Now, we would we'd like to change that, um, but we have to work with uh, the state on that one. It's, it's, this is, it, it, people wonder why the industry why there's so many things that uh, you know that feel like are, are in a crisis mode or are are impossible it's it, they're not impossible but the way this business and this industry grew because it's yeah. the oldest business of its kind the oldest sport in the united states the oldest gambling yeah really it, it, business. It, it you know everything else that's being reinvented or or basically being created in all these states that are are putting sports betting together, they they have the advantage of you know Las Vegas's experience the last seventy years, racing this this started after after nineteen ten basically yeah a after you know the the introduction of paramutual. It, it, the, all the rules and the state regulations and the state racing commissions and everything. I, I'm not going to. I don't want to ask you about HISA today. We'll let that. We'll let. We'll let that go where wherever it's going to go. But you know, there, this is a perfect example of why it's so difficult for the the industry to. It, it can't turn on a dime. It's the Queen Mary. It takes the 16 miles to make a turn. Uh, 
Easter Sunday, you can go to well, the casino, you can get a scratch-off <laughs> ticket, but, but you, you can't, you play, can't, you can't yeah. play horse race. Well, we got Palm Sunday, though. Palm <laughs> Sunday is all crossed <laughs> off the list. But I think that's the perfect example of the yeah, anachronism that, that kind of rules over the sport. Dave, we, we'll let you go. No, but, I can't but, let him go. Uh, no, I was going to say, before we let Belmont. you go, Belmont we do want to hit on the news that came out earlier this week and just fill us in on the, the situation after Saratoga. And no Belmont this fall. We're going to be at sure. Aqueduct and fill us in how long that's going to be, what the game plan is and whatnot. Sure. So, uh, We've redone all of the racetracks, essentially. Uh, Aqueduct's racetracks are a few years old, but essentially brand new. Uh, same thing up here, in, even on the Oklahoma. That's true. And the training track at Belmont was actually one of the first. So the surfaces at Belmont, um, they're about 50 years easily. Right? So we really need to redo the uh, turf tracks. And we would like to winterize the main track and change the base from clay to... All our tracks are essentially the same, except for that one. Um, to do that, though, you, you have a question. Do you want to access the infield or not? And this, dove, this is a phase one of what we hope to be a much larger project where the building's involved. But for this conversation, I'd like to stick with the tracks. So do you want to access the infield? If you're going to redo these tracks, you need to do that project now. You don't want to yeah, put in yeah. new tracks and then cut across them. The other piece of it is, do you ever want a synthetic in the middle? And it's big enough that you can get a nice size track in there. A mile, I think a mile and sixteenth is even possible. So what we're, what Glenn Kozak and his team are doing right now, from the north side, building a, like a basically a commercial tunnel that you could bring a tractor trailer that's through. The, that's the train. That's the, the train that's the, station the, side. The UBS side. Correct. And there will be a pedestrian tunnel right next to that, and that will be done this fall. And because of the and how good Glenn is at this, he's able to uh, cut the tracks and then put them back and we'll be okay to run in the spring um, okay. and that's the plan and then we'll have access to the bullet. 55 acres yeah essentially it's bite the bullet at some point you're going to have to do this we might get it out and of the way. we uh we want to start moving forward on this because we want to redo those tracks we really want to look at synthetic surfaces um you know particularly for the winter and, and off when it when it rains uh, when you're off the turf yeah we also, as part of that project, and it's kind of a footnote in these press releases, though, on the pony track at Belmont, yeah. are putting in a tapita surface, and that'll let Glenn's team get... We haven't had... See how the weather treats yeah, it. We haven't had an outdoor synthetic, and that will give him time to work with that, that, uh, that surface. Because depending on when you're using it, it's the type of, uh, uh, what do you call it, wax that you'll put yeah. on it. And there's a lot to it. So we'll be... Working with that service, he'll cut this we'll, uh, next year, then we'll have to make a decision on where we're going with the synthetic track first or how we're going to tackle the turf courses. Um, there could be other tunnels, but they'll be much smaller, uh, more like pedestrian on sure. the south side. But you, you can't, since we don't have uh, the bonds or the funding for the building, where do you want to put that tunnel? And then possibly a horse tunnel on the east side. There you go. To uh, get to the synthetic, but that comes with the decision on the synthetic. Well, but these are much less, I mean, putting in a tunnel that, like, he's basically building the Lincoln Tunnel on the north end. Exactly. Right exactly. So the, luckily, there's no water, although I suppose the No, there's not actually really good drainage there. It's all yeah, sand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a million other questions, obviously. You, you did mention the funding. Um, the initial uh, expectation that the state would float bonds uh, was rebuffed. Where, where, did, where does that stand? How do you, how do you foresee uh, you know, pulling this together funding-wise? So for the building? Ask, the, the Belmont project's not a new one, is it? No. So this has been going on. So this got as far as it was in 
you know, it was basically there were bills written and it was discussed. Massive amount of progress. There, there's other things going on this year. There was a stadium for, for Buffalo. It was their turn. Uh, so we're, we're keeping at it. We're moving the project forward uh, on the tracks. And okay. our hope would be we're in the next round of this because we think the project makes all the sense in the world. We're consolidating racing to one location. Uh, Aqueduct is a massive plot of land in New York City uh, that, that is owned by the state that by us vacating is open back and it's the people. You would, you would think that there'd be a little bit of a, you know, a little uh, quick, lose value to it. Pro it's quo uh, you're, you're, on that front. Essentially, you're up. In a way, you could look at it where it's unlocking value with the with that property, and it's allowing us to uh, build a modern facility, reduce our overhead because now we're not operating two, yeah, and increase our revenue and have a venue that not only the Belmont Stakes, but then we can attract the Breeders' Cup and get on to that rotation. So if you think of it that way, we would also be bringing a massive event to, to, New, to York. New York. That's true. Good point. Good point. Yeah. And you've already. Uh, did you have to? Did you consider reopening the backstretch at, at Aqueduct uh, for training? There were. There's a lot of environment. Like when you're dealing with a, with like this much agriculture in a an area like that. Mm -hmm. There's um, environmental issues that it's really. Well, plus you've already invested at Belmont. There are. We've been out of there for and, a few years. So yeah. not only are you know would you have to go in and like fix a lot of things for lack of a better term, there are some. Uh, environmental impact things that become difficult to kind of just jump back in. And so you've already, mitigate. you've already, yeah, the cow, yeah. The, the, the horse proverbially left that barn. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> hey now. Fun, fun. Yeah, yeah, very good. Uh, quality, quality <laughs> zingers. We, uh, yeah. we uh, appreciate, we're, we're over time. We appreciate you sticking right, around well, a little you. bit longer because yeah. it's always good to have conversation, kind of fill in and update things at Saratoga and uh, the other tracks as well. Appreciate your time. Certainly wish you uh, a lot of continued good luck at uh, the Thanks, Saratoga guys. meets. It's been great so far. Continue it. Thanks, guys. You can also look forward to uh, the Dave O'Rourke Play of the Week. He's going to be promising or threatening those for the last couple summers. <laughs> so we're going to start to get him over to uh, my, my broadcast yeah. position uh, by the racing office. I'm holding you to that. You're going to make some picks. Yeah, and as soon as I do it, just cross it off your ticket. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. It's always who. What do you eliminate? That's the game. Right? That's true. Yeah. That's true. All right, we appreciate All right. the visit Thanks, again. Good luck. Everybody. Everybody. Uh, we'll uh, wrap it up for this week's loose on the lead. Seth Merrill, Steve Biggs. Two for the Steve price Biggs. of one. Back, back from uh, and the, wreaking the, havoc. The, the the trip across the country uh, last week, no and he'll be in for the uh, rest. Of the, yeah, you guys are summer. That was casual. an honor. That was he an made honor. fun of me last year for going summer casual with no it's time. Now you guys are. It's Sunday. Uh, uh, that's what I'm all about. Wednesday through Saturday, I notice it is the same as Sunday. <laughs> I'm for all you. about the no tie, but I got the. the got it's got Mike. That's one of my ties. <laughs> I said I wouldn't buy pink, but I thought it looked pretty good. It so, does. Uh, thank you. All right, we'll wrap it up. We're loose on the lead for this Sunday morning. We'll be back in the morning, 9 o'clock a.m. on Wednesday. Handicappers aboard, 10 o'clock, racing across America. Enjoy the racing this afternoon. Don't forget, low rollers, always a lot of fun. We'll see you Wednesday morning. You're watching OTB TV, a service of Capital Off-Track Betting.